Hey, how's it going, pal? How you doing? Welcome to the podcast. Today is Sunday, April 7th, 2019. A beautiful Sunday, a beautiful weekend. Spring has sprung. Buds on the trees. My deck furniture is in place. The cantina is open. Had a little Herb Albert. Herb Albert. And the Tijuana Brass cranking yesterday. Was listening to Phillies on the radio. This is spring. I love listening to baseball on the radio. It's so relaxing. Just minutes upon minutes of almost complete silence. And then tip back two and two. That's all I want. Just a soothing baritone to listen to as we proceed into summer. Phillies are doing well, by the way. Out to a hot start behind their new superstar, Bryce Harper. Bryce Harper, who my wife referred to the other day as, what did she call him? I wrote it down because it was so brilliant. Bruce Hardy. How's Bruce Hardy doing? I said, who? What? Although the Phils have dropped their last two games, here's the deal. I don't think we as a city uh, will ever fully embrace the Phillies manager, Gabe Kapler. If you don't know him, he's a bit of a California boy, a bit of a West Coast dude, and sometimes that mentality don't play in Philly. Now, if we win, we'll love you regardless, but I feel like Gabe, who's ripped, who goes to the gym, who eats kale, who these are all things that are sort of betrayals in the Philly mindset. Oh, you're in shape. You sell out. You think you're better than us. You vain sell out. We don't like people that are in shape. We don't trust it here in Philly. We find it effeminate even that you would show concern about your health. I was called out the other day not being a man's man. I was at a party and the conversation of DUIs came up and I said, uh, yeah, I've never, I've never received a, uh, a DUI. And uh, uh, the one guy was like, <laughs> like he scoffed at me like I was an inferior man because I never received a driving under the influence arrest. This is the Philly mentality. <laughs> So something to shoot for, I guess. So if Gabe loses one more game, we'll, we'll turn on him and his saber metrics. He's a, one of these money ball managers. Do you know this this style of play, this new sort of wave in professional sports in which a manager will manage uh, kind of in a cold, calculated way based solely on statistics and probability. And this is Gabe's philosophy. I say Moneyball because this theory of coaching is explored in the film of the same name. Let computer coach. Computer knows what to do. It's like Big Blue playing chess. 
So we're out to a, a hot start. We'll see. I hope the computer wins us a World Series. My one buddy, his daughter is pretty athletic. I said, wow, he, you know, she got uh, your genes for uh, athleticism. He said, no, it's probably my wife's genes. Uh, she got her saber metrics from me, her money ball, cold computer calculating part of her personality from him. Watch some basketball, too. As the NCAA tournament is winding down, the Final Four completed last night. We're going to wrap this thing up on Monday. Love me the NCAA basketball tournament. It is my favorite three-week sports stretch of the year. It's just I don't watch a lot of college basketball, and then I watch all the college basketball. That's how it works. You go from nothing to everything in a three-week sprint, and it's uh, it's glorious. The games are very short and very dramatic, and uh, everything is in a world in which everything is charmless and overly long. And I'm talking from movies to sport. The NCAA basketball tournament has done it right and continues to do it right. The games are tight and exciting. That's what we want. Everything else has become so bloated with TV timeouts and the like. Not to say the NCAA isn't a giant moneymaker television-wise as well, but they still somehow balance the charm of old-time sport in the new era of capitalism and social media. They just do it right. So I have really been enjoying the games. But here's the thing, though. Um, Michigan State, they totally got ripped off from my college, York College of Pennsylvania. York totally stole Michigan State's team name, York College, also the Spartans, check. Color scheme, York College, also green and white, check. Symbol, your college symbol, also Spartan helmet. Check. Are they allowed to do that? Can you just straight steal someone else's team name and logo? I would think Michigan State would have sued them out the wazoo at this point. (laughs) Your college showing a complete lack of creativity. Yeah, well... You're the, what's your team? You're the Spartan. Yeah, well, we're going to be the Spartans too then. We'll, we're going to do that too. You can't do that. So I hear your college is going to change their name now to the Nittany Lions. I don't know. If, <laughs> that's a joke. I don't know. Uh, I don't know how they can get away with that without being sued. The York College Spartans. Now, I don't wish a lawsuit upon that fine institution as it provided many uh, memories and, and a slight education as well. So, thank you, York. Someone said, what's wrong with me? <laughs> um, and what's wrong with my brain? Here, here is the thing that I think where everything started to go off the rails for me. Let me take a sip of seltzer water, although I just knocked back 
a large coffee. So it's back. Black cherry vanilla seltzer water. What's wrong with my brain as a boy? Uh, if I had a fever, a flu, an illness in sixth, seventh, fourth, third grade, uh, a couple things would happen, and maybe you had a similar upbringing. You probably stayed home like I did and watched a couple of your shows. And I'll bet these shows entailed things like Hogan's Heroes, um, The Price is Right, maybe, Let's Make a Deal, Sickness Shows. These were shows that one would watch whilst wrapped in a blanket in fever dreams. And my wife even said she doesn't like watching, I think it was Let's Make a Deal, she doesn't like any game shows anymore because she has this negative connotation in which she equates them to having a fever. It's like a clockwork orange conditioning scenario in her mind. To watch game show equals sickness. But one other show that I guess, again, messed me up and caused me to go off the rails mentally wasn't a show at all, but movies, these Godzilla movies from the 60s and 70s, Godzilla versus Mothra, Godzilla versus King Gordon. Um, These shows were so fantastic, so unbelievably uh, influential in my life. Even at the time, I knew the sci-fi was bad and comically so, and they filled me with such a a profound sense of joy, and I don't know why. I guess because of the comedy, because of the the absurdity of Godzilla, and let's be honest, I did cheer for Godzilla to win a lot of these scraps against uh, Rodan. Um, that was another foe. The Godzilla bad guys actually are my favorite part of the whole thing, and you never like knew what was up with Godzilla. Like these Marvel movies today, they spend an hour going into the backstory of how Iron Man was created and the Hulk. See, what happened was he was exposed to gamma rays. Um, Godzilla, none of that backstory. His only backstory is sometimes he'll just kick up. He'll just start kicking up and just knocking buildings over in Tokyo. Or sometimes... Like, I feel like the writing uh, responsibility of the film was passed off to a different crew. And this crew would be like, you know what? Let's have Godzilla save. Let's have another monster kick up and Godzilla will save. Sometimes Godzilla destroys Tokyo. Sometimes he saves Tokyo. There's no real consistency to his movement and behavior. There's no backstory. This is why these Godzilla movies are pretty much bomb in the modern era. Nobody's putting in the homework to, like, explain why Godzilla kicks up. I think there's a new one coming out. And, and why? Why at this point? These movies must lose millions of dollars with each release. It's just a labor of love, whoever's putting out these Godzilla movies. I remember one a couple years ago that came out, and he was fat. Godzilla was bloated. Not a good look for Godzilla. His triglycerides were through the roof. And yet he still retained that tiny little pea head, that little pea head on a bloated, girthy body. So we'll see uh, what Godzilla looks like in this new 
um, iteration. But I am, have a sweet spot, a soft spot, I should say, for the 60s and 70s Godzilla. The classic, the golden era of Zilla. But he was fat in that last movie. I think he, the one scene, he was, uh, he was wearing a CPAP machine. I was like, that's not right. They shouldn't show him in these unflattering situations. The one he was bending over. And I was like, ooh, Godzilla's going to want that, that scene back. I dropped some pounds, people. I haven't been wearing my CPAP mask, for those of you following along at home. And I uh, haven't been snoring. I might be off it. I'll keep it for nostalgia reasons. Or if I slip back a holiday CPAP, or maybe I'll sell it. Sell it on North Sentinel Island to an uncontacted tribe. Hi, I have this CPAP. If any of the uh, if any of your members snore, this could alleviate sleep apnea. CPAP marketing is an untapped niche. I would market the CPAP using sports motifs. Yo, man, you get the new Eagle CPAP. I would have. Uh, a Carson Wentz, like last year, I could imagine a Carson Wentz and a Nick Foles CPAP. And I would use either one depending on who, on who got the start that week. Untapped market, your favorite sports team. Or maybe a, a movie uh, with a, the CPAP uh, having a movie theme as well. It's hard to create something new, but you can certainly tweak something that's already there. But that was my, my illness show, the CPAP situation. Um, I don't get sick like that anymore. I don't. Hearing some noise kicking up around here. Um, you know, those fevers that I would have as a boy watching Godzilla. I, uh, do, you, do you feel like when you were ill as a child, it was much more dramatic than it is now? These things that would knock you out. I don't get that anymore, knock on wood. I, I don't even like when people say they're sick. It's, I find it off-putting when adults get sick. It's like, come on, grow up. Grow up. Um, what else? What else? I was talking to someone about the CPAP. Oh, we both share an appreciation for bad sci-fi, and I accidentally was sending these texts not to my buddy, but to my wife. Pictures of Mothra and King Gordon and Rodin. And um, she was in a very, she responded, she said, what do you want? I'm in a meeting right now. And um, she said, stop texting me. Stop texting me about Godzilla. But it happens. It happens, folks. I recall she was in a meeting once with a pretty some big wigs. This is pharmaceuticals, folks. So you know some of these conversations are serious. She went to, I think, email a bid or a proposal. And in fact, instead, I should say, not in fact, she attached a picture, not of the proposal, but of a tiny deer. A tiny deer that she was previously emailing or texting her friends uh, how cute this tiny deer was. And this was the big 
thing that came across the wire. Yes, we did not receive the proposal, but we did receive a picture of a tiny deer that you sent. So, I tried to explain to her about Godzilla. She's not that into it, though. She doesn't want to hear about the Godzilla bad guys theory, which I don't understand why she's missing out. I teach a class on Godzilla. Just show Godzilla movies all day. Until the taxpayers show up and pull me out of my Mercedes and beat me to a pulp. Vacation update. Not going to Ireland. I know. I know. what We were going to go. And here's the thing. It's not a tragic story. I think it has a happy ending. We're going to go to Portugal instead. Because uh, we're both sitting there saying, you know... Ireland, it's going to be different than our usual vacations, our usual beachy type of vacations. It's cold and it's wet and, you know, we'll, there are pubs and it's beautiful, but it's not going to be, it's going to be cold and wet. You know, it's going to, finally we're like, do we want to go to somewhere where it's cold and wet? And then we decided no. Uh, so we're going to go to Portugal where it's uh, hot and dry and a uh, beautiful beach. No diss to Ireland. I will get back there one day, but uh, I'm just, I'm still young and dumb and I just want to go to the beach. I just want to peruse the beach and eat some fresh fish seaside, and uh, I'll be back. I'll be back, Ireland. This is not the way to book a vacation, by the way. Book plane tickets for one place, and then get there, arrive in Dublin, and then fly to your next destination. Not the most cost-effective way to vacation plan, folks, to change your mind after you booked everything. Got most of our money back. Still hit with a couple service charges that we'll never see uh, recoup. But Portugal is very cheap, actually. It's kind of off the beaten path. One of the cheapest European cities. So I'll uh, check it out. But I don't want everyone going. That'll uh, that'll ruin it for me. Spike the prices when you start showing up. This podcast is brought to you by Integrity Wealth Management. Don't you love Integrity Wealth Management? They can help you with your portfolio management, retirement planning, financial planning, estate planning services, life insurance, and wealth preservation strategies. Please call them at 215-864-3598 or visit their website at www.integritywealthmanagement.com. I think you knew. You knew to type in www. You don't even have to type in www. You could just, you know. You can just put the word in. It will find it. The World Wide Web. So I'll check them out. Check them out. Some mind-blowing things happening in my life. Uh, I'm, I'm so distracted, this podcast. So many things going on in the home base here. Um, so I, I figured out my brain. I said it was ruined by Godzilla, and at, at age 43 it is now. Uh, I figured it out completely. What I discovered is uh, I thought I was original. I thought I had this philosophy, this quirky way in which I saw the world and I have been sort of seeing the world for the past decade or so, this philosophy in my mind of uh, Brian Francis's rules to life. And it turns out, due to some research that I've done, that my worldview is not original at all. In fact, it was uh, invented in the year 300 BC by the Greeks and Romans. That as I, uh, ironically enough, pursued Twitter and started to agree with people on Twitter 
that were of my same brain space. And I started finding more and more people. And I started swimming further up the stream to find the source of this unbelievable knowledge that I agree with that I've been holding myself and I thought I was a loner, a lunatic on this uh, fringe. It turns out that what I am is a stoic. That 98% of my mental philosophy is in complete accord with the philosophy of stoicism, which was founded in early Greek in Roman culture, Sto- uncanny. A, um, it was like a lightning bolt of insight. And people, I t- told one or two people, like, "Oh, are you sad that like you thought you were original?" But uh, you know, turns out uh, people are like, "I said no, no, I don't want to be always on an island. I find it comforting that my thoughts actually adhere to a pattern of thought." that has been well-established. So somebody, uh, you know, when I tell people, they say, well, what is this stoicism that you talk about? And I always fail to give it its proper light and vocabulary. I can't summarize it, but I'm going to try here. But if you really are interested in philosophy, I would encourage you to pursue this deeper on your own. Stoicism, probably it's core tenet would be very similar to the Alcoholics Anonymous prayer in which people say, help me accept the things I cannot change and change the things I can. So Stoicism's core tenet is acknowledging just that. What can I change or influence? And what is out of my control? The things that are completely out of my control, I will therefore give zero thought or emotion to. And the things that I can control, I will give my most significant effort to. And that's a game changer right there if you view the world through that lens, just focusing on the things that are in your control. That's me. Hey, I should do a podcast. Okay, then do one. Books are cool. I should write one. Do it. Half marathon. Do it. I'm, this is very, this is a, a vain and narcissistic line of thinking. But I just am, I'm struck by the fact that I, like Stoicism, practice a philosophy of action, of action. Stoicism does not live in a library. It is practiced externally in the real world. Some philosophy focuses on how do you live a good life and a liberal arts philosophy teacher in college would say, well, define live and define good. Not stoicism. They don't get involved in the wordplay semantics of philosophy. They'll tell you exactly how to live a good life. And the first one being recognize the things you can change and the things you can't. It's like I don't get bogged down in political discussions or uh, internet debates about politics. I hold some political opinions. I do vote, but I realize much of this world is out of my hands. So let me focus on the things I can change, like the way I teach, feeding the homeless, volunteerism, and leave this cosmic 
puppet play of politics mostly untouched because at the end of the day, it's just another show. It's just another Netflix show. So how can you go down that rabbit hole of preaching to someone that at the end of the day, their mind isn't going to change. It's just a way for you to stroke your own ego. So I thought, wow, I'm kind of like that. I'm synced up with Stoicism. Stoicism also preaches a bit of, uh, I feel like I'm anti-nostalgia. I'm never looking to, let's get together with the college guys, with the high school guys, with the old crew, with the... Uh, with the na- old neighborhood, cr- I, that doesn't do anything for me for the most part. Now, I'm not completely cold. I do like getting back in touch occasionally. But the only thing that matters are the things you can influence. And one, things you, one thing you can't influence is your past. So it's like, why? what is the point of talking about the old times? The most magical moment is this moment right now that I'm saying these words. This moment is the best part of your life. So I have a bit of anti-nostalgia because it doesn't matter to me, nor, you know, the future is important and I do plan, but, and this is nothing new, this idea of mindfulness, of being present in the moment, but I think it can spawn part of that anti-nostalgia. People post about the 80s, remember this, remember that? I don't care. I don't have reverence for my childhood. It was so magical. It was fine. It was fun, as was high school and college, but I lack a reverence for it. I walk with a smile one step forward. That's what a Stoic philosopher would say. Focus on the step you're taking forward. I like when life moves forward. Looking back, I'm less interested, and I'm not a big into consumer culture. I talked about this last week in Austin. Or my trip to Austin. This hotel's great. This one's horrible. This food's great. This one, I don't really even taste food or, you know, it's not a huge part of me. Where do you want to go out to dinner? I don't care. I don't care. It's not a part of a big concern of mine. And I, this weird thing, I'm like, wow, I'm reading this philosophy. And soaks are the same way. You're kind of emotionless towards connoisseurship. And it's a terrible title for this philosophy because one would think it means you're emotionless to everything, that you're hardened and cold-hearted. And that's not it at all. It is merely controlling one's emotions and focusing then on the things that you can influence. I'm also very aware of my own death. If I were to go back and listen to the podcast episodes, which I do, I'm struck by how often I bring up death. And this is not a negative or morbid thing to recognize one's own death as a reality and not an abstract concept can be exciting and freeing even. With 100% certainty, I will die. And that's okay if I live every moment to its fullest, then I can lay my head down saying it was a good life. But do you live with death and the concept of your own demise as more of an abstraction, kind of this thing that is down the road and we'll think about it after I finish this Netflix series?
Not me. Not me. This is why I can't get into shows that much. I can hear that clock ticking. Like, really? Do I want to get into this show? Is this the best way to spend my time? And sometimes it is. Sometimes I enjoy a good show like everyone else, but I do have this hum of existence about me that says, you're running out of time. You're running out of time. Is this the best way you can spend your time? Stoicism asks you to visualize your own death and demise. Not to be morbid, but to know that death is what makes life so sweet. I'm not a big gossiper. Some would say this was narcissism, that I prefer to talk about myself, but I am not, and stoicism says, look, not only should you not bog down in endeavors that waste your time, don't bog down in endeavors that ugly your soul, that ugly your soul. So am I, am I perfect? No. But on the whole, when you don't gossip, you realize the people that do, and you take a step back and you realize, my goodness. You've just spent the past 40 minutes trashing everyone and everything. Is this how you want your soul to exist in the world? Just bile dripping off your soul? No. So trying to live virtuous. Because what is the overall goal if you're to live a stoic life? It's to live a good life. That to live a good life is in fact a good life. Does that make sense? So trying to elevate my soul and be virtuous and trying to do good things. Consumer culture says, look, let's get the most comfortable couch and the biggest TV and chill. No, that feels like mm, there should be something a little more. Yes, there is pleasure and pleasure is important, but purpose is important too. How do you walk the line between the two? So anyway, I feel a bit preachy. I'll get off the topic. Uh, I feel like there was a part of me that didn't even want to tell you this because it's my secret superpower and I want to, you know, win. But you're kind enough to listen. So I'm kind enough to give you the operating system on which I have been functioning for a decade. And uh, now I realize it has a name. And you may look at my life and say, well, I'm not that impressed. (laughs) Why would I... (laughs) Why would I follow this guy? And that's fine. But I encourage you to find, as you enter your 40s, as some of you may be, as I am, one should think about adapting a philosophy of life. doesn't have to be stoicism, but interesting to have a philosophy. Therefore, when options for the weekend come up and ideas, and you're stuck with a decision <clears throat> to make, it's no decision at all. You just put it through the filter of your philosophy, and the decision is already made. Good to abide by a philosophy by the time one reaches their 40s. Who's a Stoic? Not many. It's a philosophy that has fallen out of favor. Admiral James Stockdale, Ross Perot's ill-fated vice presidential candidate in 1992, define himself as a stoic. And that's about it. Me and Admiral James Stockdale. Admittedly a mixed bag. So, but I'm sticking. Well, it's not like it's a choice. It's just I'm already there. It's not like I decided. 
I'm already there. When I walk the dog, <clears throat> there's this kid that does backflips on the field next to me. Uh, I guess he's a gymnast of some kind, or I'm not sure what. Well, he just practices them outside. And uh, if I could do a backflip, that's all I would do all day. It's just backflips. I feel like you, if you can do a backflip, you've won. My insurance, I figured out that my personal choice, uh, Blue Cross, I get two free psychiatry sessions. I may cash in on that, my union health care. Um, they'd be like, what brings you today? I'd be like, I got, it says I get, I get two. <laughs> yeah, uh, are you having any problem? No, I just, because my card, it says there's two. I would make the psychiatrist listen to the podcast. I'd be like, is it good? I would make him listen until he jumped out of the window. He or she. Let me not be sexist here. You ever hear a teacher say, uh, you're in class and a teacher is like, uh, kids are talking. They say, I'll wait. I'll wait. I caught myself even saying this too. I'll wait. I would like to wait for 11 days and just see what happens. I'll wait. Just 11 school days go by. Like, this guy really is waiting. We're really falling behind on the curriculum as he waits. I like being married because it throws me into ridiculous suburban situations in which I would never be in were I alone. Case in point, if I was alone or, you know, just kind of a... A hipster dating thing without a family and kids and all this stuff, I would probably not go to get my tarot cards read, but that's what I did last uh, a couple weeks ago, the tarot. And uh, I sat down and the woman said, first of all, how old are you and what do you do for a living? I thought, man, you should know this. Already, I was cynical. I was kicking up a little bit. My wife was elbowing me under the table because my cynicism was was kind of emitting off my aura. And she could sense it too. And she gave me a bum reading. I felt like everyone else, their readings were pretty accurate to their lives. Mine was just some generic nonsense. She clearly didn't like me from the get. I was just like, get this guy out of here. You know, and she was just some chick from Northeast Philly. I wanted a Romanian with a, with a missing eye, with a glass eye. This was just some Miller Lite chick from the Northeast. She can't read tarot cards. She ain't no. So I did some studying up on it too, which annoyed her as well. She flipped the card. I was like, oh, three of cups. I must be pensive. She was like, uh, I get, yeah, I guess. She's like, Christ, this guy read up about this? You're damn right I read up about it. This is my money. I'm getting the most out of my reading. Everything means change in the tarot cards. The death, uh, is that the death card? Is that bad? No, it means change. Is the guy with 10 swords Stabbed in his chest, is that bad? No, that means change. Was, they all mean change. A change is coming in my life. The change is I'm going to leave this reading real soon. If you keep giving me this generic dribble. Dribble? 
Is that the word? So generic. She'd be like, I sensed at some point, either now or in a past life, at some point you may have eaten a sandwich. I'm like, that's right. How did you know that? It's like you're looking into my soul. I do love the artwork of the tarot cards, though. They look like straight out of the 1970s. I know, like, it comes from, like, the, you know, fifth century or something. But all the earth, 15th century, I looked this up, 15th century, because I, I want to buy a deck now. Uh, but it looks like it came out in 1973, just right out of it, a disco club, the color scheme, these soft pastels. I love the artwork. She said, do you have a question for me? I said, uh, yeah, I do a comedy podcast. Do you think it's, it's going to be like really, really successful? And she flipped a couple cards. She's like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Very noncommittal, yes. She's like, yeah, I guess. She said yes, but her, her Miller Lite heart said no. But she owns this shop like right on the strip in this uh, very quaint Bucks County town that is very expensive. And this, you know, Main Street storefront, which the rent must be astronomical. I don't know how these places stay in business, but they do through narcissism. People will pay anything for someone to talk about them. So I'm going to use my two free visits for my psychiatrist and then go straight to my tarot reading. I would have a tarot, if I were I a millionaire, I would have a tarot reader and a psychic on retainer at all times. I wouldn't get out of bed until I had at least 10 psychic readings. Another great way to spend one's money, the tower, the tower card. That comes up when everything in your life is falling apart and out of control. Eerie imagery to 9-11, people jumping out of a tower. I feel like there's some Nostradamus foreshadowing there. I would parent just by putting a tarot card on the fridge each day. One new tarot card. Dad put seven of wands up there. What do you think that means we should do today? Just through very loose interpretation would be my parenting. But I love stuff like this. The unknown. I was watching a show years ago and my uh, daughter came in who was just a young girl at the time. I was watching a show on Bigfoot. Finding Bigfoot. And she came up to me and she watched the show a little bit. And I'll never forget these. These are the parenting moments you don't forget. She said, Dad, do, do we believe in Bigfoot? Do we believe? Like each family sits down and decides for themselves if they're a Bigfoot family or not. I said, you're damn right we believe in Bigfoot. Um, so I love, I love her question. I still think about that sometimes. So we are a Bigfoot family. Love my daughter. Had the daddy daughter dance. This is the final thing I'll say. I got to get outside. It's beautiful. I go and play some tennis. Um, had the daddy daughter dance last night with the youngest one. I love my daughters. People be like, you know, when I first had them. You going for the boy? <laughs> That's kind of a weird question, right? Hey, hey, you got your girls. You going for the boy then? Um, I didn't go for the boy. I don't know. That feels like, well, you know, these, these, 
girls. They're still humans. I mean, I did produce humans. Does that count? Um, I wonder what, how my life would be if I had a son. I don't know. So anyway, uh, yeah, daddy-daughter dance. Only got uh, one more left after this. Uh, years and years of daddy-daughter dances. Years of uh, men, myself included, sometimes standing on the fridge of the gym, uh, fringe of the gym, texting. That's what a daddy-daughter dance is. It's just, it's fun. It's fun. It's a moment, and we had a lot of fun last night. But there was something perverse about it. One should not date their daughter. Darwin, an evolutionary psychologist, would be very confused by the ritual of the daddy-daughter dance. Like, what, what, what purpose is it? Yes, one should bond and spend time with their daughter, but to go on a date, strange. Here's the creepiest thing you can do at a daddy-daughter dance. Just go up to another dad and daughter dancing and say, can I cut in to a daughter you don't know? That's the quickest way to get locked up. Do you mind if I cut in? So it Darwin would would puke at a daddy daughter dance because it doesn't make any sense. And and clearly nobody know the kids don't know why you're there. You don't know why you're there, and everyone is just kind of like, well, what, this doesn't really fit into this, the social network of, of life. And the DJ encouraged us to sing a song from Frozen. Come on, dads, let's hear it. Why is this praised? The feminization of the male role. Why is this praised? Yay! Look, the dad, he's not acting like a, a man. Yay! I don't know. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm wrong on this. Evolutionary psychologists, though, would it would raise a, a cynical brow, a furrowed brow at this whole institution. All right, got to roll. Have a wonderful Sunday. Get out there. Questions, comments, concerns, complaints, Brian Francis podcast at outlook.com. Check me out on Twitter. Check me out. Ice me out. Ice me out. <laughs> Bye.